And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Happy Monday to you all. Hope it was a great weekend. And uh, we, we won't talk about uh, sports on this, not a sports show show, but a fun weekend in, uh, in multiple ways, of course, with the Super Bowl yesterday. Hope it was fun. Hope it was relaxed. Hope it was restful. And uh, thanks for being with us here on our Monday show where we try with our Monday morning news hour to get you into the week uh, nice and easy talking about the issues of the day. I want to jump right in because there's a lot to talk about. But before I do... Uh, I got to say hi to Matt Neely, making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. Matt, happy Monday to you. Good to be with you as always. Good morning, Zach. It's a great week. It's a Valentine's Day and Arizona's birthday. You got to like that. It's a good day. It's a good day. And that's an unplanned segue, uh, Matt, to uh, to our first and second conversation. Look at it us. truly is a, uh, uh, a statehood day and happy Valentine's Day themed show. Let me tell you what we're going to do, and then we'll jump right in because our first guest is on the line. Louis Christensen uh, will be with us. He curates uh, Tucson Tomorrow, a uh, Twitter account that uh, is full of tough love for this city that we love, but overall optimistic about our future. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, local wine and wine shops, and uh, that's our Valentine's Day deal. Statehood Day, we'll talk some housing and economic development. Uh, he's seen that on his Twitter account. And then uh, ASU President Dr. Michael Crow will close us out on the show. He's on for the second half. Uh, we'll talk about the congressional focus on the semiconductor industry. Money is pouring uh, out of uh, the state, out of the national, uh, out of the federal level into the state of Arizona uh, to advance America's competitiveness in the semiconductor industry. And we'll talk about what that means for Arizona as well as smart cities post COVID, how a culture of innovation will drive the future of smart cities. So let's get into it. 520 790 2040 is your live line opportunity to join the conversation. It's the number that Louie used to call this morning. Louie, happy Monday to you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, happy Monday. Happy Valentine's Day for everyone out there. Absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day to uh, you and your lovely wife and family, Louie. And a happy Statehood Day. 110 years, Louie, of being a yeah, beautiful and awesome state of Arizona. Yeah, we did. I'm, I'm excited. I love it. It happens every single year, even though people forget that the two always line up. It's, it's, not, a, it's not something that rotates. It's always on Valentine's Day. I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's perfect. So I want to talk about stuff that deals with the future of the state. But a little known fact about you, Louie, um, you uh, run Tucson tomorrow. People haven't followed it on Twitter. They should. But a little birdie has told me that you've uh, dabbled in the, the sommelier line of work. Is that true? Yeah. In a, in a past life, in a city that shall not be named, I did work as a, as a wine buyer and a wine wow. sales associate for a, for a restaurant group um, up, in, up in Phoenix no called way. Tarbell's. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was a great couple of years working with them. They're fantastic. And um, yeah, so I wanted to, to talk about wine on, on Valentine's Day and, and what it. people can be doing down here in Tucson to not only support the local wine, which is kind of what we think about, you know, the, the Sonoidas and Wilcoxes of the world, but also the local wine shops that are bringing in wine mm. from Italy and Portugal and France and, and all over the place. So cool. Let's do it. 
Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, Sonoda is making some good wine, right? The joke used to be, hey, there's sand at the bottom of every single bottle down there in the desert. But they're, they're really figuring it out. It does take time, you know, from planting a vine in the ground to something coming up, you know, that you can actually make wine out of. It takes about five years. So if you plant the wrong grape type, you're not going to find out for five or six years if it's going to work or not. So we've come to the point where we've realized that Cabernet and um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir just aren't going to work in the in the environment mm. that we have down there. But wines like Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra, Tempranillo, if you've ever drinking a Rioja um, from Spain, um, Sangiovese, if you've ever drinking a, a Chianti, um, all work really well down there, as, a, as, as well as a couple of um, white grapes. Um, like Malvasia. So um, when you go down there, you got to kind of change your, your attitude. You're not going to get that big, luscious, bold Cabernet that you might get from Napa, but you're going to get something really rich and spicy and um, kind of roasty and toasty, which goes great, thankfully, with our local cuisine, um, you know, of, of the more of the Southwest flavors, the Mex- Mexican food yes. um, and those types of the things. So um, there's some really real, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to call out names per chance for in, in this segment. Cause I think everyone should just go down there and check it out except for one. I'm going to call out rune R U N E. Um, I've, I've met their, their winemaker and owner. He's fantastic. He's the type of, of wine winery owner who has dirt under his fingernails. Cause he's actually out in the vineyard doing hmm. work. Um, they're going to be a big, big name in Arizona wine scene. They're doing really great stuff. Their labeling is great, which is always helpful. And um, their location is just fantastic. It's it's my favorite place to get the last mm. tasting if you go down to Snoida because, um, you know, their, their sunset view is just spectacular. So definitely keep it. an eye out for those local wines. I love it. And, and I mean, Louie, you've been doing this show with me for a while. I think people who follow uh, the uh, Tucson Tomorrow Twitter account know you're not a hype man. Uh, no. If uh, if someone is good or not good, I think you know people know you're going to call it out. So that's not you, you know, uh, you know, looking into a crystal ball and saying, "Well, someday this stuff will be good." There's good wines are happening. You're a pretty tough mm-hmm. critic, and uh, if you recommend uh, a winery like Rune, I think people should take you seriously on that. So today is Valentine's Day, Louis, and I uh, got about three minutes left before our break. Where can people today go get some great local wine, support some local wine shops? Uh, for Valentine's Day today. Yeah, well, first and foremost, the reason most We should be getting paid for this. To, We're not, Louis. Yeah, that was know, an oversight. Right? Yeah, we should yeah, totally be getting paid. Um, yeah, we can work on that later. Um, the reason most people that I've talked to don't go to, into a local wine shop is that they're super intimidated, right? A lot of people don't study wine. You shouldn't. It's crazy, and the information out there is, like, way too deep for the normal, sane person to, to study. Um and so they, they feel like, oh, I, I don't know anything about it. It's going to be pretentious. They're going to upsell me. I'm going to walk out of there spending way more money than I wanted to, and I'm not going to ha- enjoy the thing that I got. I have experienced the exact opposite everywhere I've gone, um, especially here in, in Tucson. So just to throw a couple names out there, I'm just going to scatter them out. You have George's Wine Shop, um, Broadway and Craycroft, fantastic local guy, just started up about a year ago. You have Rum Runner, who's been around for, for quite, a, quite a while. You have... Uh, Flora's Market Run. You have per, uh, Pearly Baker Fermentables downtown. You have Tap and Bottle North and South, Westbound. I mean, man, I could keep Plaza Liquors. Like, there's so many places that you, yeah, everyone should be going because here's the thing. If you're buying your wine from grocery stores, you are being ripped off on the quality of wine that you're getting. You're essentially shopping for wine, which you think is like, oh, nice, I'll pay a little bit extra for it. And what it equates to a cereal aisle. 
right? Those are the mass producers. Those are the ones who can pump out just juice and juice and juice and juice. So if you're thinking, ew, I don't drink Bud Light, that stuff is disgusting. It's mass produced. Guess what you're pouring into your wine glass? The wine equivalent um, at various price points. So those local shops aren't only going to give you a better price to quality ratio, but they're going to help you find something that you really, really like, and maybe something you haven't tried before that opens this whole world of wine up to you, and you're helping someone local. So yes, you can go to Total Wine. Yes, you can go to BevMo or Costco, but there's someone sitting right down the road from you who would love to find the perfect bottle for whatever situation, whatever wine pairing, whatever thing you're going to, and uh, you're helping a local shop out. So hop on Yelp, hop on Google, go to those places first, be honest with them, tell them what you like, and tell them your price point. If you want to buy a $10, $15 bottle of wine, that's not embarrassing. People do it all the time. Just tell them. They're going to help you out. I love it. And Louis, uh, I can't remember the name. I might have to do some searching during the break, but there's a newish wine shop that opened uh, downtown Tucson on Scott and uh, I think it's Broadway. Yeah, that's, Scott and Con- that's, um, that's Pearly Baker Fermentables. It used to be called Soif, um, yes. which is a, is a French word. But yeah, they're, they're great. They're doing natural wine and organic wines. So that's okay. stuff that you, you really can't find on shelves anywhere. So yeah, just, just check it out. You'd be surprised. Um, how many places there are around. And here's, here's a little secret. A lot of them, they do little samples because they have a bottle open that just kind of takes people on when you walk in. So, hey, a little, little sip of wine on a Valentine's Day when you're shopping for wine for later, not a bad thing. Doesn't, doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. No, never, never does. <laughs> Louie, uh, thanks for covering this. Uh, this uh, We had a listener message in uh, uh, Louie's Hidden Talent. Hidden Talent, indeed. You and I have been talking for a while. And I actually had a mutual friend of ours go, do you know Louie is actually pretty knowledgeable about wine? I, go, I had no idea. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's appropriate to talk about this on Valentine's Day. And uh, you're like an onion, Louie. Just every layer that comes off, there's uh, there's yeah. something new. But, and I um, make people cry sometimes. So yeah, <laughs> That's true, which is maybe a great segue to our next uh, segment. We're going to go, go to a break. But there's two topics that we talk about a lot on this show, Louie that have been popping up a lot from your uh, followers on your Twitter account, Tucson Tomorrow, uh, talking housing and economic development. My question to you always, Louis, is what are your folks talking about on your platform? And those two things are starting to get the conversation going that I think they deserve. And so uh, we have you on about once a month. This is our Monday morning news hour. We'll talk to you about those topics on the other side, Louis. we got one more segment with you. And then the ASU President Dr. Michael Crow is on at the bottom of the hour uh, to talk some state news. We'll be right back, Tucson. We're just getting started here on Tipping Point on AM 1030 KVY The Voice. Radio by and for the people of Tucson. 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. 
Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Tucson. Your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, and the sustainable strength system is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to sustainablestrengthsystem.com. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. This is Kate Delaney. Tune in later tonight as we talk about everything that happened throughout your day. Tonight at 10 on 10.30 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona here live out of the Common Workspace Studios. We're joined for Tipping Point with Zach Yenser by Louis Christensen, curator of Tucson Tomorrow on Twitter, an account full of tough love uh, for the city that we love, uh, paired with lots of uh, optimism and, uh, oh yeah, uh, bear down. That's uh, <laughs> that's Louis' thing. Louis, uh, good to be with you. You were mentioning yeah. the other day um, that you've wished for a long time the topic of housing and economic development were seen as mutually uh, beneficial to each other and not one as social and one as economic. 
And uh, you were sharing how as you're monitoring the conversation from your Twitter followers and what's going on, that narrative is starting to shift in that direction here in Arizona and here in Tucson. What are you seeing out there and is it a good or a bad thing? I think it's a great thing. I mean, I think for too long we've viewed, you know, housing and uh, housing affordability as like this soft welfare, you know, soft millennial type of conversation. And we view the economic development as like this white collar job taking over our city and gentrifying neighborhoods, right? And those two camps are just (laughs) on opposite sides of, of the field. And now people are realizing that they're not. They're, they're two, two sides to the exact same coin. We're on the exact same team if we're going to do this right. Um, you know, if, if you don't have the salary you need to live in a city, then you can't buy any house, even if it's quote-unquote affordable. And if you have a job and you don't have a house that you like in the city that you're living in for that work, you're probably either going to leave or leave, you know, or not move in the first place. So we really need to have this conversation because one side helps the other. I know this isn't a sports talk show, as you said at the beginning, even though we talk about sports quite a bit, but I like to think of it as the offense and the defense of the same team. Hmm. If an offense is going too fast and taking too many risks and playing hurry-up offense and you know potentially turning the ball over to the other team, while their, while their team's defense is on the sidelines huffing and puffing and exhausted and exacerbated, that's a recipe for disaster. And the exact same thing if you flip it. If defense is playing prevent defense, which uh, Coach John Madden always said, the only thing that prevent defense does is prevent you from winning. Um, then the offense has to overwork and work too hard. So we're seeing that all over the country where offense, that economic development, is doing too much work too fast. Austin, Nashville, Phoenix, where the housing supply can't keep up. And if, if you flip it, if there's you know too much housing and all that, and you're, we're, we're taking too much time to make sure that all those kind of housekeeping things are in order, and we're not doing a good enough job to bring in those points, bring in those salaries, then none of it really matters, and it all, it all just fizzles, fizzles away. Um, and that's what we're really seeing, is people actually starting to see, hey, we're on the same team here. We need our head coach to realize it, or head coaches, right? Mayor, city council, Sun Corridor. U of A, state, you know, state level organizations and government, they need to realize that these two things actually help each other, not hurt each other. Yeah, no, Louie, I love that picture. Hadn't really thought of that before, but it makes uh, it makes sense in my head. What are you hearing from your uh, from your followers out there, Louie, around how do we pour kind of gas on the fire, so to speak, around increasing our housing supply? Because I think there's there's two layers, right? There's the uh, there's the kind of Section 8 or affordability or workforce housing or kind of how do we mm-hmm. plug some of those gaps on the lower income side. And I think that's a social service, you know, component. And then there is the side where we got to match supply to demand. Uh, what, what are you hearing out there from your folks around? Uh, do people think we're doing this well enough in Tucson, fast enough, complete no. enough? Yeah. And I I like the word complete. That's a really good one. And that's a conversation that I'm finally seeing turn. We're realizing that if, you know, a a $1,000 rent is a $1,000 rent, whether you're a rich kid from California coming here for U of A or a local person who just needs a place to live. It costs the exact same dollar. And so if we don't have top ends, luxury apartments for people to rent out or housing for people to buy or housing for people to rent, then they're taking up supply on the lower side and pushing people further and further and further down. 
so we're finally realizing that. Now, this isn't a call to just build luxury homes and, and townhouses and apartments, but we need to think about this in a complete way, not just on the low-income side and not just on the high-income side. We need more supply because, um, like your your guest, um, the C- was it CEO or co- co-founder of PackDash said, mm. um, he's worried about where his people are going to live. And that's that, like, bing, like, light bulb should go off in everyone's head. The type of companies, the size of companies that Tucson's going to be able to win, and because infrastructure, cost, all those types of things, tax incentives, they're still so close to their CEOs and owners and site selectors that they really care about them. And they're not going to put them into a city in a situation that they don't feel like is going to keep them around, right? You move a bunch of people out from Chicago, and they go, well, crap, I have nowhere to live. There's nowhere nice. There's nowhere good. Nowhere that I'm used to living up to my standard. I'm not moving. I'm, I'm going to find a new job. So they're not going to pick your city. They're going to get overlooked. So again, housing, complete housing supply needs to go up. And yes, I don't think we can do this at a one or two story level across town. I think we've already proven that. That's why we're here. If you're in your head, listener, thinking, man, housing is really a problem. And on the other side of your mouth saying, man, I really don't want that, that building to go above two stories. Something's got to give. Something has to give. We have to you know, given to the solutions that are presented for us. We need to up our density in key areas. Louis, I've got you for about another minute and a half. And just to real quick, I think flip this, flip the script as well. Uh, And that is to say that I asked a housing expert locally, you know, what is your silver bullet to solve the housing crisis? And their answer was higher wages so people can afford more in different kinds of housing. And I think, you know, we talked about how housing benefits economic development. Economic development benefits people with upward mobility to afford uh, uh, more and better housing in Tucson. And I think we can't forget that direction either, that we are still a low-wage community and uh, with a poverty rate that outpaces the nation. Uh, we got to fix that too. Exactly. If you care about your neighbors, if you care about neighborhoods that need that upward momentum, that need that, you know, hey, you can't go out with your college degree that you might not have and get a remote job out of San Francisco and live in Tucson. If you care about that part of our community, we need economic development. We need to provide ladders to help people step up out of that. We can't just keep assuming, hey, just go work a waiter job or two waiter job or, or, you know, hey, drive at night, work during the day and all this. We're going to see our education system get worse and worse as families and parents have to work two or three jobs to keep up with costs. We need economic development. It is not just an economic issue. It's not just a a right side GOP issue. This is a social issue here in Tucson. We have terrible poverty. We have terrible crime. We have terrible education. Something helps with that. And it's salaries. Right? It's, it's people being able to aspire to something. And there's so much potential in Arizona right now. And, man, I just hope that if there's, if there's some hatchet to be buried between Tucson and Phoenix and state government, that it gets buried really fast because we need it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We are at a tipping point on this topic, and it's great to see the uh, zeitgeist, so to speak, start to happen out in the broader community, realizing, oh, we have a crisis and these two things are related. Louis, this has been fun as always. We'll do it again soon. Uh, thanks for sharing your knowledge of wine and talking Tucson issues at, at Tucson tomorrow as people can find you, Louis, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. When we come back, Dr. Michael Crow, president of ASU, will be on. And hey, we'll talk economic development in the state. It's like it was planned that way. We'll be right back. Tipping point on 1030 The Voice.
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Life isn't about money, but how you handle money impacts everything. The Ramsey Show, today at 1 on 1030 The Voice. And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, Conversation and Talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Uh, we left off talking to Louis Christensen of Tucson tomorrow on Twitter about Arizona and Tucson's economy and housing and, and the relationship between those two things. And there's going to be a tie-in now uh, to our final conversation of the day. Uh, once a quarter, once every other month or so, we get to sit down with ASU President Dr. Michael Crow about uh, Arizona State University, the state's economy, what it means, the Sun Corridor region, uh, and more. And today is one of those days. Uh, Dr. Michael Crow, thanks for being with us as always, and happy Statehood Day, 110 years of Arizona being a state, and I think the future looks uh, looks pretty bright, all things told. Hey, Zach. I mean, it does look right. I, I think, uh, and I thought for some time, Arizona's got unbelievable potential, probably more potential than almost anywhere. I mean, it's very exciting. Absolutely. Let's start there, Dr. Crow. I, I, I know you've been watching carefully the congressional attention on the semiconductor industry nationally. Uh, the House has uh, an America Competes bill. The Senate uh, has the USICA legislation both of which are allocating $52 billion in funding for the CHIPS for America program, which is specifically focused on making the United States a, a national, federal, uh, international competitor uh, in semiconductor manufacturing and production. Uh, this uh, means a lot, I think, for the state of Arizona, Dr. Crow, and I think ASU is right in the center of that conversation. Can you give us a little bit more of a picture of what's going on federally and what it could mean uh, as a significant uh, investment, potentially beyond anything that we've seen in a while in this state? Well, the way to look at this, uh, Zach, is that the last 50 years, 1970 to 2020, have been the moment of the birth of microelectronics as 
in a sense, the driver of the fourth industrial revolution, meaning meaning more and more uh, uh, work involving calculations, computers, machines, robots, etc. Set aside all of the complicated social issues associated with that. Think of the first 50 years of this as what it must have been like in the first 50 years of printing or the first 50 years of fire, uh, meaning uh, it's the infancy of microelectronics. And so here we are in 2020. We now see that our entire economic future is intimately tied into the production of faster and faster and faster, better and better and better, more sustainable and more sustainable chips. And so the U.S. has decided, as the rest of the world caught, caught up with it in the first 50 years of microelectronics, to now take the lead again to make the next 50 years the moment in which American ingenuity, American creativity, American engineering, American workers, uh, uh, American stick all these things come together so that as the next evolution now of the entire industrial framework of the planet becomes more and more driven by computational systems which are powered by microchips, that the development of microchips, the development of all things associated with that are a key uh, and led American technological asset. And so the federal government has stepped in on a bipartisan basis in a huge way and is laying the foundation to return manufacturing to the United States, to accelerate research and development in the United States, to uh, build faster, 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 more and more, better and better chips, which then make cars better, make healthcare better, make learning better, uh, make you know many of the aspects of our life that are invisible better and better and better and enable a whole renewable economy. Chips are at the root and they're foundational. You know, they're, they're the same as water to new advanced uh, technological systems. And so the, the key for Congress was to really put in place the means by which we, the United States, again become the leader in all things related to microelectronics. And that's what's going on here. More manufacturing, more research, and Arizona, to be specific, has an opportunity to become a, a planetary center, a place where uh, manufacturing is fantastic, research is fantastic, programs are fantastic, and that's really what's going on here. Yeah, I'd love for you to cast, uh, cast some vision on that, Dr. Crow, for us. Uh, we're with Dr. Michael Crow, president of the of Arizona State University here uh, in Arizona. You know, ASU is now, I think, the largest engineering school in the nation. Uh, we've seen what Intel has done. We've seen uh, Taiwanese semiconductor manufacturing company move in. Uh, this feels, to some extent, Dr. Crow, as a Phoenix-centric opportunity. How does it become a statewide opportunity? How does Arizona as an entire state plant its flag in the ground as a leader in helping the U.S. become again a leader in this field for the next 50 years? Yeah, I and mean, so Zach, nothing is Phoenix-centric. I mean, the the Sun Corridor, which runs from Nogales to Prescott, you know, is one of the most important urban development areas of the of the country. And in those in that area, you're going to see the entire supply chain for these companies is going to locate. New uh, workers are going to come from the entire region, new plants, new, new research and development laboratories. But more important than all of that, new industries that want to be proximate to the microelectronics uh, capabilities are going to be popping up everywhere. So I don't see this at, at all as, as Phoenix-centric in any possible way. Uh, uh, if you look in Metro Tucson alone, the the, the companies that are there that are microelectronics-centric, the companies that are there that are be- becoming more microelectronics-empowered are expanding and evolving and will expand and evolve. So I see this as, a, as really as a, 
as a statewide initiative in which everyone will be involved and everyone will benefit from this. This is kind of a theme for our second segment as well, but paint a picture for us of how uh, the university, uh, the public sector, and the, the, the public sector, so both local government and federal government, how do we all work together on this to supercharge Arizona's uh, economic future? Well, the one thing I'm hopeful that all of this can do is, is you know, bring about a lot of focus around those things where we've got common purpose. Uh, it seems to me we're spending like five times as much time arguing about the things where we're in disagreement and no time uh, leveraging those things where we have agreement. All of us want the United States to be uh, economically successful. All of us want it to be protected with the best defense system possible. All of us want uh, as many uh, new economic opportunities to emerge so that human potential can continue to evolve. So just spending more time on that at the and, and, and getting the local governments in Arizona, the state government, to work with the federal government to uh, make certain that we can really bring every advantage to Arizona. We've done this in the past. You know, the, the federal government uh, built the Central Arizona Project for water, the, the uh, regional water authorities, uh, all government entities, public corporations in many cases, built the underpinning for, for uh, agriculture. I mean, there's been this kind of cooperation between the government and the private sector at all levels in Arizona in the past, and we just need to realize that to do that in the future, it has to be built around the new economy, which lays lays uh, building blocks on top of the old economy, drawing from both. And, and we just haven't had enough of that. We've got to stop this, this silliness and understand that uh, we want to be a part of this national initiative related to the new economy. Yeah, Dr. Crow, the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act of 2021, some of our listeners may have heard about it as the Endless Frontier Act, kind of the former name. Uh, was legislation sponsored by Senator Chuck Schumer, a Democrat from New York, and Todd Young, a Republican from uh, Indiana. And this is that $110 billion for uh, technology research over a five-year period. I wish we would talk more about this kind of stuff than the top-line kind of mainstream conversation. Because uh, I almost wonder, Dr. Crow, are we as divided as... Uh, we think we are. Or are we just focusing on the wrong things? Because <laughs> there's a lot of bipartisanship. We're, 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 we're not. We're happening. not as divided as we think. Yeah, we're not as divided, Zach, as we think we are. We've got media organizations that make money off of division. We've got uh, social media organizations that are premised on the notion of division as the means of generating more uh, more uh, revenue for themselves. And so, you know, we need to forget those people and start focusing on. Uh, what it's going to take to compete, how are we going to win in, in global competition, how are we going to build an economy built on uh, clean energy and clean systems, how are we going to protect the uh, air, water, and uh, land resources of Arizona, how are we going to make life better for Arizonans. There's no disagreement on any of that stuff. You can look at the Center for the Future of Arizona's website on the Arizona we want. This, listeners should take a look at that. I mean, there's nine or ten areas where Arizonans have 70% or higher agreement, many areas where they have 90% agreement. Uh, and one of those areas where they have 90% agreement is you know, they want uh, blue skies, clean water, and clean air. Uh, okay, well, we can't get there without new advanced manufacturing, new advanced en engine systems, new advanced electric vehicles, new hydrogen-driven trucks, uh, you know, all these kinds of cool things that will lead to a whole new economy and give us what we want in terms of life outcomes. And so those are places where we have agreement, and, and the media in general spends no time on that, because everybody just yawns and goes to sleep. 
Uh, and so what they'd rather have is, you know, let's have a bunch of a bunch of little adolescent fights and just keep these adolescent fights going and going and going and going to, you know, to sell advertising. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. We try to we try to do it differently here, uh, President Crow, and this was not a plan on either of our sides. Uh, promotion of this program, but uh, four and a half years in, we're trying to do that. Let's focus on what matters. And Dr. Crow, I'll leave on this. Uh, I'm excited by the future of Arizona. We talk about water scarcity. We don't talk about how the University of Arizona, five years running, is the number one university in this nation on water resources. Uh, we, we don't talk about the fact that when we look at uh, aerospace competitiveness, uh, that down here, the University of Arizona is a huge component of that. When we talk about the fourth industrial revolutions and the challenges of the economy of the future, we don't talk about how ASU has the largest engineering school and produces the most engineers of almost anywhere in this country. Uh, there are no challenges, Dr. Crow, I believe, that the people in this state can't figure out. And I wish we would stop trying to manage scarcity and instead look to how we create abundance. And uh, for all the reasons I think you mentioned, we don't do that. But there is the intellectual capital in this, in this Arizona community to create a next 50 years that I think could be absolutely incredible. Well, I think in the next 50 years, you're absolutely right, Zach. We end up with distributed manufacturing, advanced manufacturing. We end up with uh, uh, you know, a renewable energy-based economy. We end up being the, the water masters. That is, we have every technological tool to manage water not just for Arizona, but for the whole planet. We build an entire economy around those things that already make Arizona great. Uh, we drive up uh, opportunities for uh, uh, people to be educated. We advance education. We distribute education across the population. We graduate everyone from high school. All of those things are not only possible, they're doable and doable if we just, we focus, if we just focus on those things and start making our energy and our conversations focus on that. So, Zach, I appreciate you know, you taking this on and, 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 and putting this show out and getting people to talk about things that uh, make a difference to our grandchildren uh, and our great-grandchildren, which is where we should be focusing some of our attention. And uh, I appreciate you doing that. 100%. Dr. Crow, I appreciate uh, that encouragement. Unscripted, unplanned, but that's what I love about this thing we do called live local radio, real-time conversation with real people in real time about real issues. Uh, great segue, too, Dr. Crow, to our, our final segment together. Uh, I, I would. I hope this is okay for me to say. I think you've become. Maybe you always were, but you've become an urbanist uh, over the last number of years. I want to talk about innovation zones uh, up in uh, up at Arizona State University. Why building a future, a culture of innovation, will drive the future of smart cities. I want to get your thoughts on sm cities that grow smartly uh, post COVID. What does the future of innovation? Uh, look like for smart cities. We'll talk with Dr. Crow about that on the other side. Our final segment of Tipping Point here on AM 1030, KVOI The Voice. From Oro Valley to Vail and everywhere in between, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team.
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser Family Wien of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Impact of Southern Arizona serves 52 zip codes in Pima and Pinal counties and reinvests $2.5 million a year into the community. Join us for our Impact Expo on Tuesday, March 2nd, at the Tucson Chinese Cultural Center, where we'll be bringing a national speaker along with local partners and the community together to talk about how we can help people move from just getting by in a getting-ahead world to improving their life in our region. Go to impactsoaz.org for more information and to support Impact of Southern Arizona in improving lives and inspiring futures. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. This is Bill Buckmaster. During the noon hour, it's the Monday political face-off on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here. Happy Monday to you. It's our Monday morning news hour. It's also Arizona Statehood Day and happy Valentine's Day to all who are celebrating. We're talking uh, on this statehood day about the next 50 years of the state of Arizona with ASU President Dr. Michael Crow. We talked about a massive federal focus on the semiconductor industry and how Arizona uh, is poised to see long-term economic development impact beyond maybe anything we've seen in a very long time from this. How do we take advantage of it? Uh, Dr. Crow, I know you've been doing a lot of thinking about what is the future of cities and the urban environment post-COVID. Uh, because at Arizona State University, you're working on innovation nodes and the Novus Innovation Corridor, which is this mixed-use, residential, walkable area uh, that is real estate-driven around connecting Fortune 500 and startup companies alike to the university's talent, seven innovation zones around the greater Phoenix area. Uh, you've gotten into the urbanist 
business, Dr. Crow. Uh, what is the future of smart cities, and why is innovation critical to uh, to what that looks like? Well, the foundation of any smart city, in fact, beyond the city itself, is laying the foundation for everyone to graduate from high school and for everyone to have an opportunity to continue their learning after high school and for every high school graduate to be a 21st century graduate prepared for the 21st century, not for the middle part of the 20th century. Having said that, then, though, in the urban areas uh, and in the and in the, in the uh, ex-urban areas that support the urban areas, uh, you know, what one really needs to build is as much life flexibility as possible. People being able to uh, live and learn and work uh, in close proximity to each other, people being able to uh, grow their food even in urban areas, produce electricity and clean water in the urban areas. And so the key in the evolution here is to make the cities, these technologically sophisticated places capable of supporting a, uh, a very uh, complex uh, and, and dynamic economy, and then to make those areas deeply connected to the rural areas uh, uh, in, in every way possible so that, so that uh, one doesn't take advantage over the other for any particular reason, either uh, clean water, clean air, or food production, or job concentrations, or what have you. So the key in smart cities going forward is the building of, of uh, capability that allows everyone to be connected, everyone to be linked, everyone to advance their life the way that they want to advance it. And we have the first technological systems that allow us to do that. So it's all very exciting. And then we're working on the innovation districts and the innovation corridors that make Phoenix, you know, uh, have a chance as a metropolitan area and the Sun Corridor, including Tucson and Southern Arizona, to become, you know, one of the, 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 the most exciting regional economies on the planet. And so we think we have every means to be able to do that. And these innovation districts that we're building are a part of that. Why is there this importance of incorporating a neighborhood framework? Because I think what you've called it, there's pedestrian thoroughfares, civic and outdoor spaces, 4 million square feet of office and retail space, 4,100 residences. I'm speaking specifically to the Novus Innovation Corridor there in Tempe, where ASU is. Uh, Why is the university playing in this space? Why does this all matter that it comes together this way? Well, it's, it's not possible to imagine a world in which uh, everything is, is flattened out over a 200-mile metropolitan area with people driving hours to get to work and uh, leaving their families and so forth and so on. What you need are concentrations of places where people work and live and play together, and then those regions are connected with each other. And so what we're, what we're working toward is the building of these, these innovation zones, these innovation corridors where all those things can occur, generating economic activity and then demonstrating how these new, uh, uh, new economies can work through the private sector investments that are being made there. And so you know, what we're looking for is there, is there is huge efficiency, technological efficiency, economic efficiency, environmental efficiency, personal efficiency in in concentration of the bringing together of work and living and playing all in the same location. ASU is already to an extent a part of this uh, kind of, you know, providing real estate to companies to being close to the university. This is all the top of my head, Dr. Cross. I apologize if I get the company right, but is it all state or state? I think it's State Farm, right? That's along the Tempe Town Lake on ASU property. State Farm has about, yeah, has thousands of employees in a in a fantastic facility built in our innovation corridor, our Novus Innovation Corridor, yes. 
Incredible. Uh, Dr. Crow, uh, just a real quick, I guess, uh, kind of footnote, because I don't want to stay here, but it is a news item here as we start to close. Uh, ASU is continuing to survive COVID well, I'm assuming. Uh, you seen any drop in students, or is everything going okay there? We're at maximum enrollment that we've ever had, maximum rate of uh, graduation that we've ever had. Uh, our enrollment is up dramatically. 2020 was more than 2019. 2021 was more than 2020. 2022 is more than 2021. Uh, we're excited, and uh, we're moving full speed ahead. We've got uh, appropriate mitigation mechanisms in place, and uh, life is good as we move forward. Would you say we've entered the endemic phase? Uh, would you consider us still in a pandemic, or have we started to shift? I think we're right at that right at that interface, and so we're certainly we're certainly operating as if we're moving into endemic phase, and we're going to be making additional changes in our protocols uh, going forward, reflective of endemic, and we're going to be moving from endemic into outbreak management, uh, which we think we're going to be well equipped to do with our COVID testing mechanisms in the uh, water in the water system that we have. Uh, our other testing systems. We think we think we're well equipped to manage both outbreaks and endemic in very positive and creative ways. Last thing, Dr. Crow, what do you think is driving that increase in enrollment? Uh, why are you seeing record highs? Do you think we've got uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of world-class degree programs? We have a highly dedicated faculty. I kid you not; it is unbelievable to see what they've been able to do during COVID. Uh, we've got uh, fantastic optionality, uh, and we've got uh, ways in which people can lead their own life in college. They can start their companies, start their enterprises, do their music. We've, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of student enterprises that are being built while people are in college. And so college is not, it's not what, what it was for grandma and grandpa. You know, it's a place where you go to start your life, start your career, be educated at the same time. Double major, triple major, there's a kid in my class this semester who no joke has five majors he can do the five majors because of the technological tools that we put in place that allow him to study the five subjects he wants to study at the same time so so we've built all of this and people can see that and they want to be here i love it dr crow thank you as always uh, you are a uh, an exceedingly busy uh, person thank you for making the time for us here in southern arizona and tucson i think it's important to cast that vision of the sun corridor and uh, in Southern Arizona, we often, again, feel things are Phoenix-centric, but the reality is much different. We need to keep preaching uh, the Sun Corridor here and the connection between our metropolitan regions and uh, always appreciate your view of the state. And thanks for celebrating Sayhood Day with us here on Tipping Point, Dr. Crow. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. That wraps up our conversation with Dr. Crow. As always, you can check it out on the podcast, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, KVY.com forward slash podcast you can find us there and listen back of course in the first segment we talked about the semiconductor industry which i think arizona is poised and already is in many ways uh, to be a leader in uh, tomorrow we'll talk about some of the stuff we didn't get to today uh, the news and issues coming out of the weekend we'll hear from julie bonner uh, over at freefall uh, about a space event in tucson uh, again, I think Tucson is the space city of the Southwest, and we'll keep telling you why. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. We got you covered here on 1030 The Voice. See you tomorrow, Tucson at 9, every day, Monday to Friday. Take care, Tucson. Mm-hmm.